You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. Welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am not a butterfly expert, but we are going to talk about them today. Flippity, flappity, fluttery, flutterbys. Flutterbys. Yeah. <laughs> Flutterbugs. My family calls them flutterbugs. And they shall henceforth be known as flutterbugs, <laughs> at least in your family. <laughs> I think it was a three-year-old, yeah, that yep. named it. I don't know which one, but it, I think it was. That's the rule. Uh-huh. But first, the news. This is Varmin's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. So, if you look at uh, butterflies and caterpillars in the news, there's a theme that kind of runs through all of it. And if you're looking for caterpillar news, it's usually there are too many of them and they're eating everything. And if you're looking for butterfly news, it's how to build a butterfly garden because there's not enough of them. And it was kind of hard to find butterfly and caterpillar news. So we're just going to do a little bit of, uh, I don't know, administrative details this week. Because you might have heard that there is a little bit of change in the way our podcast sounds. Yeah. We are artists, me and Donna, and we think that people should get paid for their work, you know, that they do. And so we've been using the little movie clips uh, as bumpers in our podcast from The Big Lebowski. And Donna, a while back, said, hey, we should really be paying for that. And I said, sure, we should. We, I'll pay my own money to, to start using that stuff. And I, you didn't even know where to begin to look, Donna, and I didn't either. Yep. A little more research, I found out that we can't afford it. <laughs> we can't afford it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was able to find out some more information about it, and I was like, well, that's pocket change. Guess I'll just look in the couch for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that stuff is important to us, and it wound up working out for the best because we don't really get a chance to have other podcasters on very much. We don't have a show that kind of lends itself to that. So we decided to just start making our own bumpers. Yes. And we have employed the help of our podcasting friends and our family members and all that good stuff. And they're making our bumpers for us. And we hope you like them. We like them a lot. And they're going to be even more new ones coming soon because we've told a bunch of our podcasting friends about it. And uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, I do. 
we can't go back to the other ones. So if that's nope. what you want, just, I mean, we understand, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you are a podcaster and you're listening to this and you want to make some bumpers for us, because we announced this in the Varmint's discussion group on Facebook, but we know that not all of you are in there. So if you want to make a bumper for the podcast, uh, just send us an email at varmintspodcast at gmail.com and we will send you details. We'll tell you exactly what you need to do and what we want. And uh, you can be part of the show forever. Yes. Or at least every once in a while. <laughs> or at least every once in a while. Right. <laughs> So we just wanted to mention that. We know you probably noticed it in the Unicorns episode and the Ducks episode, and that is what we're going to do from now on. Yeah. we. The It's probably important to point out that when we do the pop culture segments and stuff, that actually falls under the category of review because our show is a review show. So that, that we're using legally, and it's fine. Um, but uh, the other stuff, we were like, yeah, I don't think we can do this. We can't afford any of this, so... We're trying to put make a good show that supports the indie community as well. That reflects the values of the indie podcasting community. And we're trying to have a clean show that won't upset anybody. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because the indie podcasting community has been so good to us. Yeah. Like, so generous and helpful and wonderful to us that, you know, this is a way that we can we can kind of give back. So. Yep, it'll be great. We're, yep. we're really looking forward to hearing what everybody has to say. It's going to be super cool but they won't be don't worry about you're not going to hear promotions for other people's shows it's just whatever creative amazing stuff that they've come up with on their own and then we'll tell you who it is at the end but it's not like you're going to sit there and listen to a lot of commercials for podcasts so don't worry about yeah, that no, yeah no we're not going to do that that's not going to we're just getting stuff from people that we like and admire and people that like and admire us and it's going to be just a fun fest <laughs> yep <laughs> It already is. It really is. <laughs> the it's stuff been that great people so have been far. sending us to just sit there and just laugh and laugh and laugh is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should probably remind everybody that they should go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at Varmans Podcast, all one word. And at varmanspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, suggestions. I have a Pinterest board. I put all the stuff over there. I, for every animal that we look at, I make a little board. You should also put varmints into the search engine at tpublic.com for all kinds of wonderful merchandise. And if you like the show, why not tell a friend? Because introduce them to our podcast. We're everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the best way to help us grow. So let's learn about Flutterbugs. Hey, let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. <laughs> and we are learning about butterflies today. Butterflies are insects in the order Lepidoptera, which also includes moths. Yeah. I, I practiced lepto Lepidoptera like 28 times before, <laughs> before we got on here. Uh, adult butterflies all have three segmented bodies, six legs, and of course, four large scale-covered wings that are used for protection, to attract mates, of course, and for a very recognizable fluttering type of flight. 
The Queen Alexandra's Birdwing is the largest butterfly in the world. It has a wingspan of 25 centimeters or almost 10 inches. Holy moly! Yeah! It's a big, big flutterbug. And the Western Pygmy Blue is the smallest butterfly. It has a wingspan of only 19 millimeters or about three quarters of an inch. Oh my gosh, so tiny! Teeny tiny, it's really cute. Butterfly larvae are commonly called caterpillars, and we'll we'll also be talking about them today. So it's kind of like a butterfly caterpillar episode. Yeah, caterpillars are baby butterflies. Correct. Butterfly fossils date to the Paleocene era, which was about 56 million years ago, so butterflies have been around a long time. There are somewhere around 750 species of butterflies that live everywhere except Antarctica. And that number keeps going upward as new butterflies are continually being discovered. In fact, a new species was identified this very year, 2018, when we're recording. In fact, it was in the past week they found a new butterfly that they didn't even know existed before. The word butterfly comes from a Middle English word, which is also roughly pronounced as butterfly. It's thought that this name referred at first to only a bright yellow butterfly called a brimstone that is on the wing during spring and summer when the grass is growing and butter is yellow and this butterfly is yellow. So there you go, butterfly. Butterfly. But an alternate etymology is that there was a belief among dairy farmers that butterflies ate buttermilk and whey, which are the byproducts of butter and cheese. So the German word for butterfly is a word was a word that I I can't pronounce because uh, it's German, <laughs> but it, it meant way thief. Low German had a word for butterfly called butterlicker, and that meant what it sounds like butterlicker. <laughs> and the Dutch had a word for butterfly that I can't say on this family podcast, and it basically meant butter pooper. Oh dear. Yeah, caterpillar is interesting too. It's a combination of an old French word. Catapulos or chatapulos, I don't know how to speak French either, which means hairy cat. And then it was combined with a Middle English word pillar or ravager because these little hairy things were eating all the crops. And I guess the English wanted to uh, wanted another excuse to blame the French. So they came up with caterpillar. <laughs> Language is so weird. OK, are you ready to go to butterfly school? Absolutely. Time for school. Sit down at your desk, Paul. Stop fidgeting. <laughs> Put yes, that ma'am. gum away. Yes, ma'am. I just swallowed it. Okay. Take notes. Yes. I'm, okay. I got it. Okay. Butterflies go through what is known as a life cycle known as a complete metamorphosis. The stages of their life cycle include egg, larva, pupa, and adult. All right? Every got butterfly it. begins its life as an egg. Female butterflies are very picky about where they lay their eggs, and this is because caterpillars are very picky about what they will eat. Each species of butterfly will only eat one plant, usually, or a group of closely related plants as caterpillars. So, that's pretty interesting. When a butterfly larva, which is also known as a caterpillar, first hatches from its egg, it is extremely tiny. When a butterfly larva, which is also known as a caterpillar, first hatches from its egg, it is tiny. This young caterpillar is referred to as a first instar caterpillar. It only has one job, eating. Just eating and getting bigger. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. Many species of caterpillars begin their feast by eating their shell, which contains a lot of nutrients, the little eggshell that they were 
that they just did it in, they eat that up. Okay. And, and then they start to immediately start eating everything around them. Whatever leaf they're on, they're like, I'm gonna eat this leaf. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> <laughs> so because caterpillars are insects, they cannot grow their skin. They have to get out of their skin and make a new one. They have to, to uh, molt every single time they get bigger. So in order for a caterpillar to grow larger than the skin it had when it hatched, it has to make a new, bigger skin. And it does this by first growing a new skin underneath the outer skin, and when it's ready, it sheds the old skin, and the newer, larger skin underneath is exposed. And this is a process that we just that we is called molting, and it's called molting in all, in all insects, right? So this happens again and again until you have the third instar, the fourth instar, and then finally, when they are at the fifth instar species, they're the biggest that they are going to get as a caterpillar, and they're ready to become a beautiful butterfly. They eat <laughs> and they grow. They become too big for your skin, and then they molt one more time, but the result of the molt is it forms the chrysalis. The the skin that they're moving themselves out of actually becomes the actual chrysalis, which I'm sure you've seen a butterfly chrysalis hanging there. So Yes. Yeah. So the chrysalis is usually referred to as the pupa, and it's not a resting stage. A lot of people think it is. There's a lot of activity going on in there because that's when it's turning itself into an adult butterfly. So inside the chrysalis, the wings get formed, the um, antenna are formed, all the chewing mouth parts of the caterpillar are transformed into the sucking mouth parts of the butterfly, and anywhere from 10 to 15 days as a chrysalis, the butterfly is ready to emerge. So when they emerge from their chrysalis, the wings are little and wet, and the butterfly can't fly yet. So it has to pump fluids from its abdomen through the veins in its wings, and that causes them to expand to their full size. They're like inflating. Whoa. Oh, big waterbed wings. And then the wings have to dry, and the butterfly has to exercise their flight muscles before it can fly. So they sit there and they, they flap their wings a little while, and they get ready, and then they fly away, and they are beautiful butterflies for the rest of their life. That is awesome. I know. Isn't that amazing? For the I rest of their life, which lasts roughly one year. Yeah. It depends on the species. Some some are less, yep. but uh, yeah. <laughs> I just thought, that's amazing. I didn't realize there were so many little... I did not know that the instar stages existed. I, I thought it was just a caterpillar to butterfly but nope they have to molt several times as a caterpillar to get big enough i had no idea yeah to get big enough to go chrysalis so that is so cool that is pretty neat so once they are adult butterflies the most distinctive feature that they have of course is those large brightly colored wings so adult butterflies use that color as camouflage they use that color as a warning to predators and they use it to attract mates so that they can make more little caterpillars. Mm -hmm. For instance, the adult monarch butterfly sports a bright orange color and a distinctive pattern, and that is a red flag to potential predators that that thing might be distasteful and toxic. <laughs> there is another species of butterfly called the viceroy, and that butterfly has adapted to mimic the monarch's appearance so that predators leave them alone too. Huh. So they look very similar. The blue morpho butterfly of the Central and South American rainforests. 
the top side of the wing is a really brilliant blue color that you almost can't believe it when you see it. It's just gorgeous. And that's used to attract a mate. The other side of the wing, the underside, is covered in brown eye spots, and it's kind of dull. And what that does is that it confuses potential predators. So it kind of has... The colors on that wing have a dual purpose on both sides. Right. So the wing colors themselves can either be true pigment or structural, meaning the way the light bounces off the surface of the wing. Right. When you see a butterfly, if you see orange, yellow, or black... That's true pigment in the wing. That's actually what color it is. But if you see blue, purple, or white, that is structural. So butterfly wings have thousands and thousands and thousands of these little scales which act like prisms. And the structure of those scales on the wings are reflecting what light is reflected and how it's reflected back to you. And that is what makes butterfly wings kind of shiny and iridescent. Right. So this use of color doesn't just start with adult butterflies. Caterpillars also make use of color. They also have spines and hairs to kind of protect themselves against predators. And some caterpillars, like the ones we have down here in Florida, can actually leave a pretty nasty little welt on you if you if you touch one. Yes. And even the chrysalises of butterflies can use colors and shapes as camouflage. The paper kite butterfly creates a very shiny gold chrysalis, and it has a sheen on it that makes it look like a giant drop of water. It's really cool. Ooh, neat. The chrysalis of the Darius butterfly looks exactly, and I mean exactly, like the head of a snake. Oh, wow. It's crazy. That's crazy. I'll put a picture of it in our show notes. Yes. And the giant swallowtail creates a chrysalis that looks like bird poop. Oh, how funny. Ha! <laughs> just poop her. It's just bird poop here. You already yep. ate this. You already <laughs> ate this. <laughs> All right. It's time to do this. Disclaimer time! The Farmers Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so they're going to do it anyway. So, intelligence on a scale of 1 to 10, Donna, butterflies... Um, I mean, they're insects, I'd say. Yeah. You know, two or (laughs) three. Yeah, there was a really cool little article on NPR about how there's evidence that some butterflies and moths can retain memories from when they were caterpillars. Yeah. Even though the the process that you just described, the metamorphosis, kind of just turns them into a pile of goo, pretty much. Yeah, yep. But that doesn't mean that they're necessarily smart. No, I mean, that's a learning, for sure, but... That's kind of on board. It's hardware, right? So, yeah, you know, I think most bugs like I think like I I think I said this in the mosquito episode. Most bugs are just little drones that kind of eat and make little genetic copies of themselves. And they're smart for butterflies. But yeah, if we're holding them up to the yardstick of ourselves, I guess they're maybe a two or three. Well, you have to have a brain to have a thought and they don't have a brain. So. They have a ganglion, like all insects. It's just right. one little bundle of nerves. There's no gray matter. There's no tissue in which they can have thinking go on. So, right. So they can't. They, I mean, they can't really be much smarter than they are because they don't have. They don't have the hardware to get smarter. You know. Yeah, they're like a little computer program that you cannot edit. Yeah. 
No, well, I they mean, just... it, it gets edited over time by Illusion, but you know, nah, they can't. They can't really make themselves better within one generation or whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> but they're still really cool. I mean, yeah, they don't really need to be that smart. There's a, there's their their strategy is make lots and lots of babies. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> And we will survive by making lots of copies. <laughs> <laughs> and they're beautiful, aren't they? Even the oh even the dullest looking butterfly is just a, adorable, you know? We have yeah. a lot of those tiny little white ones here in Colorado. And we have some moths that are little and white too, but we have also little yellow and little white butterflies that are just adorable. <laughs> yeah, no, they're great. I'm going to make a butterfly garden in my back garden. I'm going to try butterfly and bee resting spot. There you go. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, there's tons of resources online that'll help you do that. If I manage it, I will put the pictures in the discussion group. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, we are going to talk about butterflies and pop culture and a few other little interesting facts about butterflies, but we're going to do that right after this. Hey, are you a jock that likes comics? Are you a nerd that likes comics? Do you feel left out sometimes? Well, then we've got the show for you. I'm Imran. And I'm Anthony. He's the jock. And he's the nerd. And we host the Jock and Nerd podcast at jockandnerd.com. If you're looking for fun, entertaining, laugh-out-loud geek chat over all the latest Marvel DC shows and news... Visit jockandnerd.com. Full spoiler podcast, lots of swearing. Uh, you're such a jock. You're such a nerd. Oh, come on. Shut up, nerd. Okay. Well, this here's Animal Rancher and Expert at Large, Cotton Shorts. You know Paul and Don are just a couple of nerds like you, and they don't usually get to see animals in the wild. But so we'll talk about where they usually do get to see them, which is to say on popular culture, books, movies, television, and video games. Alright, here's my pop culture pick for this week. The Very Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carl. For my sister Krista... In the light of the moon, a little egg lay on a leaf. One Sunday morning, the warm sun came up, and pop, out of the egg, came a tiny and very hungry caterpillar. So that is the opening for the Very Hungry Caterpillar, which was a or is a children's picture book designed, illustrated, and written by Eric Carl first published by the World Publishing Company in 1969, later published by Penguin Putnam. Wow. It, it's about a caterpillar who emerges from an egg and literally eats his way through the book until he pupates and turns into a butterfly. While it is not terribly accurate scientifically, in just a few short pages the book teaches counting, it teaches the days of the week, foods, and a butterfly's life stages. Eric Carl was born in 1929, he is still alive today, and in fact, that was his voice you just heard reading his own book at a signing in 2012. Wow. Yeah. According to Carl, one day he was punching some holes in some paper with a hole puncher, and it reminded him of books that he had read as a child in Germany that had differently shaped pages, so he wanted to create something similar. So he thought of a bookworm boring holes through the pages as the story was told. Yes. So he created a story called A Week with Willie the Worm. 
and he put that together and he gave it to his editor and the editor said well that's great but people don't really like worms so that might not make a very likable main character so she suggested a caterpillar and his mind sometimes with artists when you give them another idea they kind of don't like it at first but he immediately grabbed onto it and he thought that would be a wonderful idea if you've never seen this book there are holes in the pages that represent the caterpillars trail through different types of foods carl could not find a publisher in the united states that could do what he wanted to do for a reasonable price so the first printing of the book was actually done in japan and if he hadn't have found that printer in japan the book would just probably have never existed the Very Hungry Caterpillar has won awards for both children's literature and graphic design. Of course, it's a classic, so it's still available today. It's been translated into 40 languages and has sold approximately 30 million copies. The story has been adapted into television programs, games, toys, other educational material, including a video game for the Nintendo Wii. And we'll put a link to the animated version of the story into the show notes so that you can watch it. Cool. Yeah, I remember that book from when I was a little caterpillar myself. Oh, me too. It's a classic. Yes. It's awesome. I love that book. I like it's a fun book to read to little ones too. It really is. Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about the guy that we talked that we saw at the beginning of the show. Or the guy that we heard at the beginning of the show. Hi, Malik. From <laughs> a bug life. He is wonderful. Heimlich is a caterpillar in The Bug's Life, and he is a clown in P.T. Flea's circus troupe in the show. <laughs> so he's a caterpillar, so he's really trying to eat a lot of food. So we talked about how caterpillar's pretty much only job is to eat and eat and eat so he can get very big. And Heimlich definitely lives up to that. He eats everything. And he even <laughs> there's a really funny scene in the movie where he offers an audience member to finish one of their candy corns. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Candy corn! I love that. <laughs> Heimlich is voiced by a guy called Joe Ranft, and he's gonna tell us a little bit about how that all came together. Slow down, you flowers! Joe Ranft is the most brilliant story man ever to work in animation. He's also very funny. Yoo-hoo, Mr. Early Bird! How about the nice, tasty worm on a stick? <laughs> well, he started doing the voice of Heimlich as this, like, Bavarian German mama's boy. Mmm, boysenberry! <laughs> and all of a sudden, Joe's scratch track for Heimlich becomes one of the most endearing, and I think probably one of the most enduring characters from the movie. Stand still, little flowers. The character looks yeah, so see. neat and had that sort of, you know, jello-y kind of feel to him. <laughs> yeah. He does. <laughs> he is like a little jello tube. <laughs> I think my favorite one is the when he goes, um, one day I will be a beautiful butterfly and then everything will be better. <laughs> uh, I love A Bug's Life. That's one Me of my too. favorite movies ever. And this is, I love Heimlich. He is hilarious. <laughs> that is not going to be the last time we talk about A Bug's Life either. No, we will definitely talk about them in the future because 
because Pixar is amazing and they always do the best little characters. So yeah, check it out. If you have not seen A Bug's Life, you need to watch it. You're missing out. <laughs> Uh, so, hey, are you going to eat that? You going to eat that, Donna? No. <laughs> I don't eat bugs. I, <laughs> I, I can't imagine eating butterflies, but caterpillars maybe. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Mm -mm. They eat them in other parts of the world. I don't care. <laughs> I was reading in um, if other parts of the world jumped off a cliff would you do it too maybe <laughs> I, read a, I read a thing about Zambia and it said that in Zambia smoked caterpillars have a storage life of up to three months which makes them an ideal food source for places where alternatives may be tough to come by and I, I had it I, I gotta admit I would try a smoked caterpillar <laughs> no <laughs> I'm a, I'm kind of not even willing to try it because I mean it's not like it's a it's a larvae. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so just all bugs are not in the food box for you. Um across the board. I don't know. I mean I think I mentioned before that I have tried like chocolate covered ants at one point. Oh yeah, yeah. But it just I mean I was like, well, it's crunchy. Why not just put Rice Krispies in there? Why bother? <laughs> you know? It doesn't make any sense to my brain. And I realize it's because I'm I'm an American. But that's <laughs> how it is. You know? So. <laughs> Bring me the smoked caterpillars. <laughs> no! <laughs> I won't even let you eat them in front of me. Not happening. <laughs> Gross. Would you eat a maggot? Because that's essentially what you're doing, only it's a different insect. You know what? Oh, don't say so. No! <laughs> they farm them. They farm them for fish bait so that they're not like just, you know, you can get maggots from things other than like dead things. Our friends at Rough Giraffe talked about a cheese that has maggots in it that... Oh, oh yeah. My God. I almost couldn't listen to that episode. <laughs> No, uh, yucky. I don't want them anywhere near the food box. And in fact, if I find one in my food box, I'm going to burn the whole food box and just build another <laughs> food box because I can't, no, I can't be doing that. I can't be doing that. No. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. Mm -hmm. Well, hello, Paul Don. It's me, Billy Lee Campbell. Hey, Billy. And I'm here <laughs> to ask you a question. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Well, let's help you win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the Animal Fact of the Week. Back to you, Paul and Donna. Oh, yeah. thanks, Billy. <laughs> that Billy. Love it when Billy stops by. <laughs> hey, Donna. Yeah. Did you know that adult butterflies do not pee or poop? I did not know that. They don't. They don't pee or poop. Hmm. So... As you mentioned, the larval life stage of the butterfly, the, the caterpillar, that's when that animal does all of its eating. And so caterpillars are constantly eating, and so they're also constantly pooping. Like, it's just a, a continuous trail of food through one end of their body to the other end. Oh, dear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you ever have one in your hand, the butterfly is 
It's gonna poop on you. Yeah, but it's not yeah. peeing and pooping. But it... no, it, it all just comes out together. Like they just have the one opening. Right. <laughs> right. Interestingly, when there is enough caterpillars eating in the same place, you can hear it. You can hear them pooping. When gypsy moth caterpillars emerge and infest a forest, the defecation of the caterpillars sounds like rain. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yep. How would they know that? I guess people that study them have been in the forest when they're all eaten and all pooping at the same time and oh, it sounds okay. like rain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the soothing sound of butterfly poo. <laughs> So they finish eating, they form the chrysalis, they become an adult butterfly, and then they their diet changes. Mm -hmm. So adult butterflies do prefer nectar from flowers. However, they will drink almost any liquid produced by organic things. So this includes dew and rain, tree sap, the liquid produced by dead things. You sometimes see roadkill with butterflies fluttering around it. Uh -huh. They're eating. Oh, yum. <laughs> yeah. And oddly enough, reptile tears. Oh, Turtles and alligators will come up to sun themselves, and the butterflies will, will gather around their face and drink their tears. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. <laughs> Nature is wackadoo. <laughs> it's wackadoodle. Um, but they don't pee or poop. Sometimes adult butterflies will drink so much that they will emit a fine liquid spray from the tip of their ab abdomen. Right. And that substance is called frass, F-R-A-S-S. -S. And it's not, it's neither pee nor poo. It's almost pure water, which I think we should put emphasis on the almost there. And uh, yeah, that's all the going to the bathroom that they do. If somebody offers you sassafras, is that the same thing? <laughs> I do hope not. <laughs> Whew, I loaded up on that dead thing. I gotta go take a frass. <laughs> I gotta oh, I gotta frass so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, potty stuff is so funny. Love it. <laughs> oh, I need to take a break. I have to frass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <sighs> All right. All right. <laughs> well, it's not quite as hilarious, but it is pretty cool. <laughs> Did you know that monarch butterflies migrate like 3,000 miles every That's year? That's nuts. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I knew that they migrated, but I didn't know how far it was. I didn't either. That's that, crazy. How do that they do that? Is each fall, millions of them leave their summer breeding grounds, which are in the northeastern U.S. and Canada. Canada. <laughs> and they travel upwards of 3,000 miles to reach their overwintering grounds in southwestern Mexico. So it's not like they just get to Mexico and go, okay. No, they get to Mexico and they go, all right, keep going. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> <laughs> But they don't wow. really do this like other migrating animals. They don't they don't do these the same way. They don't just like one butterfly goes once and then they come back or whatever. They actually kind of make copies on the way. Okay. <laughs> so 
The days get shorter, the temperatures get lower, and then they begin to abandon their breeding and feeding territories, and they look for a safe place to spend the winter. So it's on high ground, um, high up on just a few mountains in central Mexico. Once, once they're there, they huddle together in the millions on the branches of these trees that are called Oyamel fir trees. So when they're there, they create a microclimate that protects themselves, the insects. Like they're just being there actually warms everything up a little bit so that they, they can overwinter in safety. Oh, whoa. Yes, and the tree canopy and ecosystem provide a blanket effect for them as well, so the temperatures don't go too high or low. And uh, so after they wait out the winter, they head part of the way back north to places like Texas, where they mate and lay eggs on the milkweed plants. In just a few days, the eggs hatch into brilliantly striped caterpillars of black, gold, and white. So these are the monarch larvae, and they eat all sorts of milkweed before they form their chrysalis and transform into adult butterflies and take off again. And at this point, they fly another few, few hundred miles north, find another patch of milkweed, and go all over again. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and it might take them as many as four to five generations to complete the journey all the way back up to Canada. <laughs> Oh my goodness! And these are the these are the butterflies that are orange and black, yeah. and they're the they're like the standard what yeah. you think of when you think of butterflies. Yeah, exactly. The the orange top wings and the slightly lighter orange bottom wings and the black, real heavy black outline. Yeah. On their wings, so when fall rolls again, they um, do it all again. So. <laughs> and they kind of use the air currents. They don't flap and fly the whole time. They sort of they just. They just catch the air currents and sort of surf their way down to Mexico. So it's pretty cool. But uh, man, they are they are just amazing. So That's really neat. Okay, so when fall rolls around again, a special super generation of monarchs that can live up to eight months will sail all the way back down to Mexico all, all at once. So why this doesn't happen all the time, I don't I don't really know, but <laughs> but the the last wave of them lives for, you know, a much longer time, but they but they have variability in that and they just kind of keep reproducing along the way, which I think is really funny. So That's awesome. amazing. Yeah, it's like Oregon Trail for butterflies. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. you have a whole new family by the time you get to the end. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, but monarchs are facing um, a lot of problems. They are face facing extinction because of um, problems with milkweed and problems with their wintering sites being cut down. So, extinction. Mm -hmm. I thought there was like billions of them. There are, but they are threatened because of their sites that their overwintering oh. sites get cut down and stuff. So there could be millions of them today and like none tomorrow. So, Oh, come on, humans. Tighten yeah. it up. Yeah. So I don't know the exact details of it, but I will put a link in the show notes about the monarch butterfly's reign is being threatened by milkweed decline. So that's one thing, the milkweed decline, and that's because of herbicides in the U.S., and then of deforestation on their overwintering sites is also a problem. So, yes, they are in trouble. So, 
Bummer. Yeah, I don't I don't know if they are actually on the endangered species list, but it's one of those that could be fine today and not fine tomorrow. <laughs> so, oh, man. Yeah, because their generations are mostly so short. I mean, eight months is the longest that they live in that super generation, but that's not a long time. So they are apparently secure right now, but that um, that's one thing away from at risk. Okay. Yeah. So All right. uh, I know that they have been lower on the scale before I think what a lot of people are building butterfly like pit stops resting places in their gardens to help them along the way and that probably helps yeah go do that so yeah so they are not facing extinction right now but they could in a very short period of time if we're not careful so (laughs) and you know go online and yeah. Make a butterfly garden. You don't need a lot of space. It doesn't. It's not too expensive, and you can actually have a small butterfly garden that you can enjoy at your own home, no matter yeah. where you live. Yeah, for sure. Unless you live in Antarctica. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's always some <laughs> species of butterfly or native bee that could use your help. So check it out. Yeah. yeah. It's a great way to be involved in your environment and support your planet without doing a whole lot of work. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Varmints Podcast. We have been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, as always. Bed music by Kevin McLeod. Vocal talent by Kerry McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Josh Hallmark, Chris Green, and by you, the Patreon supporter. Thank you so very much for kicking in a dollar or two every month. We really do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah. My dogs are about to lose their minds because Kurt just came home. All right, it's the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat eight years of age or younger that wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com. For details, we make it really easy for you and your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. So do it. Get in touch. And this week we have Aubrey and Isaac. They have something to say about butterflies. I think they were inspired by the Black Bear episode because they have a couple of jokes and... um, I think their uh, delivery is maybe a little better than mine. Uh, We'll see. Here's Aubrey and Isaac. Hi, Paul and Nana. My name is Aubrey. Did you know before butterflies were into beautiful butterflies, they spend their life being a caterpillar? And my favorite is a zebra ones where they look like a zebra. And if that one stinks another one, they're poisonous. <laughs> I have a joke real quick. Um, why did the butterfly not get to go to the dance? Because she was a um, roll butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean mothball? Mothball, honey. Sorry. <laughs> Hi, Paul and Donna. Hey. My name's Isaac. Did you know that monarchs have other butterflies that mimic them using an evolutionary trait called mimicry? Um, since monarchs are poisonous, when other butterflies mimic them, predators will think that they're poisonous and won't eat them. Right. Pretty cool, right? That's Very pretty cool. smart. All right, have a good day. <laughs> Let me tell you a joke. Why did the fly eat butter? Because I wanted to be a butterfly. Thanks.
Thanks, kids. That was thanks, amazing. guys. That was awesome. <laughs> and thanks to their mom, Kristen, for doing that for us. It was terrific. That was great. Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time. Be nice to animals. Make a milkweed patch for monarchs to rest on. Yes. Yes. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. Francis, leave them alone. They have poo-poo hands.